We made it. We made it. It's 2022. We made it to 2022. What's wild about this episode is, Uh Hunter, it's been like a month and a half. I don't even remember how the show (laughs) works. What is this show? I don't even remember what the show is, which is, I think, good, because listener... Welcome to season two yes. of Old Gamers Almanac, where things will be different and things will be better in some ways, worse in others. Yeah. Um, we've resolved some story arcs, right? Season one. There what were are some story arcs that we've the, resolved? The difficulty corner. That's gone. not resolved. It's resolved. That's hardly it can, resolved. It can evolve, but there was a resolution for season yeah, one. Yeah, it's going to be a difficulty nook. But then next there's going to be like the, char- the character that comes back to life, you know, like the, right. the villain of difficulty will come back obviously or their son will come back and haunt me yeah that kind of a thing the son the son the of difficulty, son of difficulty. Corner. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's good no that's good matt that's good branding. trivial corner i like branding that is uses son of you know <laughs> that's something that everybody remembers and enjoys uh what are some of your goals before we before we get into the episode prop before yeah. we transition sure what are some of your goals what do you want more for season two this uh, is something well, that worst, uh, I'll answer that very earnestly. Uh, I'm trying to learn about genres I've never played, or even ones I have played a little bit of, like take in genuine new information about genres and meet them on their terms. Yeah, not so, on my terms. So basically, what you're saying is, for season two, you would like to become a gamer. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go. Welcome to Alp Gamers Almanac. I am your host, Hunter Donaldson. I'm here joined here with frequent guest Matt Martins. Hello, it's me. I'm Matt. What's up? This is a show uh, where two old farts <laughs> sit down with games and we fart around about it. Okay, we fart around about it for about 45 minutes to an hour. We've we've spent a a, a lot of time. Uh, going back and forth i feel like on what the old in old gamers almanac refers to because originally it was just the, the, the almanac is old but i right. feel like we haven't talked about the almanac that that actual physical object tome, that exists the tome, the tome that exists it, well, and is quite old because the tome has gone tomeless now and that's what that's our show <laughs> yeah. is it's a tomeless tome uh it's the first tomeless tome uh i've always thought the old met us but mm-hmm. we're see i mean like we're 32 yeah uh, oh, we're both 32 now officially yeah. which isn't that old but we will get older yeah. and that's something i want to promise with this season right, we right. are gonna get older <laughs> the takes will get hotter and the people will get older <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be older and it's never gonna stop yeah you know what i mean we're just yeah. gonna keep getting older now the, when you all stop making games we will stop getting older yes. and then and then the show can maintain kind of a nice plateau for a couple years of and oldness people will probably make games again and we will age again right we will start aging again and eventually we will reach this kind of age end point uh-huh. i don't remember what you call it yeah. but then right two other people will be chosen mm-hmm. to be old well we, we will be reincarnated and whatever we are reincarnated into will be the new host of the show so like one oh, of them will be a wolf and the other will be a turtle and just yeah who like, do you think is going to be i mean which? who do you think i don't know I, I mean, either, I think man, you're I the really turtle. Hope, I hope <laughs> you'd have an answer because I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'd make a good turtle. I just don't know that I would make a good wolf. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd be kind of a flimsy wolf. Um, 
this show, what do we do on the show, Matt? We rank yes. every game ever made this one week at a time, definitive. one game at a time. The definitive, definitive ranking. ranking. Um, this is a dumb, horrible BuzzFeed listicle, best games of all time, uh-huh. but it's our whole lives and we never stop. Yeah, and the best part of it is it's not taking the entirety of the whole into consideration when making the list. It's just deciding one thing at a time, which means mistakes will absolutely be made over the course nope, no of No mistakes, the list. it's Well, definitive. I mean, it's, it is definitive. And so. it lives forever, um, <laughs> and we are old. So we've covered all of it. Yeah, that's um, it. This is your show. Season yeah. two. What's up? What are we talking about today, Matt? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Neither of us want to do this episode. <laughs> no, neither of us want to do this episode because this is, well, here, let's say, why do we want to do, why do we not want to do this? Because today we are covering our first Japanese, mm-hmm. capital J, Japanese <laughs> role-playing game. Um, we decided to start with uh, the le- the impossible to say anything new about yeah, game, right. Final Fantasy VII. Right. Uh, released in 1997 by Squaresoft on the PlayStation 1, mm-hmm. the best console of all time. Other consoles are bad. Uh, first thing I'll have to learn, because I never grew up with a PlayStation, so yeah. got, I've got a huge, uh, monumental gap in my gaming yes. knowledge that is basically the entirety of the PlayStation library. Yeah. Uh, I would say, if there's a difference between me and you, Matt, in history-wise, just as far as who we are as people, I was the guy that liked video games so much when I was a kid that it was the only thing that I received from yeah. my family, right. which meant I played both sides of the aisle. There was no console war for me. It was right. more of a console buffet, yeah, uh, and it never ended. For me, it's not that I didn't uh, like video games. It's that my parents didn't really like video games, so they thought it was a waste to like buy me too many games. Right. It was. It's like you get a game or two for Christmas, and no games until next Christmas. Yeah. And I didn't really grow up with like an allowance or anything, so I wasn't buying my own games. Right. Uh, the first console I bought with my own money was a Dreamcast, and I owned Sonic Adventure and MDK2. And guess what? There's only two games I ever talk about on this show outside right. of like for in the, Dreamcast in, in the Sega in the Sega in the entire Sega pantheon. Oh, there are true. two games I talk about. Yeah, and one was not made by one Sega. was not Sega. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, for me, it was both of those things. It was that there was the family hall, yeah. and there was the me saving up. Oh my God, I just remembered something. I saved pennies yeah. and nickels to buy one specific game. I'm just remembering. Wow, and that game was. Gex entered the no, gecko. No, it was not. I'm not wow. screwing with you. I unironically wanted to have the 3D Gex game. I rented Gex constantly as a yeah. kid. Um, but I, so the way I got my Dreamcast is not that I saved up money, but my parents struck a deal with both me and my brother. Mm-hmm. I did not drink soft drinks, sodas, carbonated beverages. I didn't drink carbonated beverages for one year. Whoa. And the pri- and, and what I received for that was essentially enough money to buy a Dreamcast. Yeah, that's cool. That's... I, got, I got, I didn't drink soda for a year and I got $100. <laughs> that's not, that's a bad <laughs> rate that I received. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, hopefully the show will a- attempt to correct your your gaps, yeah. your uh yeah. you need more Sega in yeah. your life. You need more weird JRPGs. Well, this start, is not a weird JRPG. Let's, let's start with how weird but also not weird it is. Uh can we get some credits out of the way? Yeah, though? sure. Yeah. So Final Fantasy Seven, if you don't know, is a Japanese role playing game designed by Squaresoft, uh one of the biggest uh, you know, names in the game. Yeah. Um it was made in 1997, or it was, sorry, I should say it was released in 1997. Uh, it was produced by Hironobu Sakaguchi, who uh, is the grandfather of Final Fantasy, the the kind of the source, uh-huh. the well source 
of Final Fantasy. It was directed by Yoshinori Kitase. Doing the character designs is a guy you might know named Tetsuya Nomura, who if you're not familiar with him, uh, he likes belts, he likes buckles, he likes big, big boots, okay? <laughs> He's your belts, buckles, boots guy. Uh-huh. Uh, if you've ever seen a Kingdom Hearts before and you've been like, why the boots like that? It's because of this guy right here, Tetsuya Nomura. <laughs> he knows his boots, he knows his buckles, he likes the boots, he likes the buckles. Dangly chains. Dangly I mean, chains, may- maybe yeah. solely responsible for the chain wallet. Uh, he, responsible, the creator of the chain wallet. Yeah. Well, the popularizer of sure, the chain wallet. Sure. Uh, and just chains in general. <laughs> Definitely popular, or the, the reason that Final Fantasy games, like modern Final Fantasy games, look the way they look uh-huh. is because of Tetsuya Nomura. Um, and then the the music uh, was brilliantly composed by the greatest video game music composer of all time, Nobuo Uematsu. I'd love to give a shout out to um, the Triple Click podcast here. I listened, I, I was trying to do as much research about Final Fantasy 7 as I could muster and bring myself. As to, you could handle. As I could handle. And they, uh, uh, Kurt Hamilton did a great episode on there just breaking down. It, he's specifically talking about the the remake and yeah. comparing remake songs to mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII songs mm-hmm. and the the things they did in that game. But uh, hey, that's a really great thing and another great podcast and you should go listen to it. Just, yeah. just go find the the music of Final Fantasy VII remake episode of Triple Click Podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. The um, Well, we're not talking about Final Fantasy VII no, remake sure. today. Although I, want, will I do, someday. after having played VII... I want to play the remake. That sounds like it'll be fun. I think I'll enjoy it more. I think you'll. I think you will like it a lot more. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, so a couple historical things. So uh, SquareSoft have been making games uh, on Nintendo consoles exclusively yeah. uh, through the early '90s, and we get to the Nintendo 64, and Nintendo makes a decision, which is that they want to have the most powerful console available, <laughs> but they want to hamstring it by using cartridges. Yeah. Uh, and that was a huge problem for anybody that wanted to make a long game. There's it's, not a lot of space on a cartridge for game to exist. Yeah. So, it's like designing like a, a, a GT, like a, or, or whatever, like some, some amazing classic muscle car. It's like, but we only want to use bicycle wheels. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's literally like what the decision was. And that didn't really work uh, for Square. So they looked at that and they were like, this console is going to be tough. Sony's gearing up with their new console. Yep. That It's not even, it's half as powerful. Yeah. It's 32-bit console, but they were going to use CDs. Mm-hmm. So that meant that you could score st- store a lot more game data. The games could be longer, more epic, right. bigger. They could have, um, you know, full motion, like video, CGI Th- type stuff. This is like the beginning of video games' desire to be more like movies, Oh, for sure. In advertising yeah. and in style yes. and in uh, like plot, uh, <laughs> in how and how the plots are. Yeah, how ambitious the out. plot yeah, how, is. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, the idea, you know, Final Fantasy had been trucking along for uh, a good long while at this point. Um, had not been super. I mean, was somewhat successful outside of Japan, but not like a giant hit. Mm-hmm. Basically, well, because I mean, everybody knows this, but like Final Fantasy. In America, there's there's three games before this, as far right. as we know, or as far as any, just the, the layman is is aware. And then you f- later find out that all the numbers are goobered up, and and three is six, and Final two Fantasy is two four, is Final whatever. Fantasy four, Final yeah. Fantasy three is Final Fantasy six. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, they just did not bother in so bringing bring a lot them. of it yeah. over. And, and I mean, we've talked about this before, like when we were talking about Super Mario Brothers three, um, there was a lot of trepidation about. Uh, these Japanese developers thinking about, well, but how are Western audiences going to receive this? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the early Final Fantasy games, I think they just made, and perhaps a wise choice, I don't know, um, 
the choice to be like, we're just not even yeah. going to bring this over. But Final Fantasy VII was different. Final Fantasy VII needed to be this big, huge hit, and they were yeah. thinking about us. They, 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 they advertised it on like the rest late of the world. night programs. Yeah, like it was oh, yeah. on American commercials with like all the hot new graphics right. and amazing world class story. I mean, it was like this game was. They were trying to tell everybody we've made we've made a big one. We, we made a big movie in your video game. It's not. I mean, it's not the first game with like a big uh, story. It's sure. it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. But it is the first game where I think everyone is sitting there being like, we want to push this yeah. medium into a storytelling level that has never uh, been at before, right. basically. And you ne- you you know cinematics and yeah exactly and how, how big how loud can yeah. this game uh be and for i mean as far as sales go uh it worked i mean yeah. it was a smash hit when right. it came out um there's definitely things about it even when it came out that was obvious that this was a very ambitious game where there were flaws in there were flies in the soup yeah. execution problems especially in our the release that we received here in north america the english version yeah uh the translator basically seemed like they did it in like three days yeah they were locked in a closet for an afternoon and told to translate thousands and thousands of lines of dialogue possibly with no understanding of how the lines uh would then be put in order (laughs) like just it's like here is a block of text right translate that block of text right with no context of what the block of text before and after were if you're interested in final fantasy 7 uh or just language or localization any of that you should watch tim rogers youtube video series that he did while he was working at kotaku uh, called let's mosey a slow translation of final fantasy 7 where he basically just nitpicks the mm-hmm. translation to pieces yeah but you learn so much about um japanese language and and culture and it's just a really interesting way uh to kind of interact with it and you also just realize like how how <laughs> how nuanced yeah. the japanese script for final fantasy 7 was and how little of that nuance could actually make it through right into the final product that we received here uh in the west yeah in addition to the the bad or rushed, I don't want to say bad because that's super not fair to the guy doing the work. Yeah, but at this point we know. Yeah, at this yeah. point we we pretty much have it on lock that the translator was not in a good situation. Yeah. So yeah, at this point um, it's just kind of. But on top of that, the game is grasping against every limitation that it could possibly be put against. Where and again, Hunter said this earlier, and it's it's the right way to think about this episode, which is all of these talking points have been talked to death. So we're going to get into our personal stuff as yeah, fast as possible. Totally, totally. But the other thing with this game is there's this crazy, <laughs> jarring shift from what your character model looks like in a battle yes. versus what they look like on the world map yes. versus what they look like in a cutscene. It's just like they were just trying to do the most they could with each instance of the thing and for some things they couldn't get as much out of it so they had to make like a little puppet armed character that just sort of wiggles his arms back and forth and that's all you get and then every once in a while it cuts to a real cinematic where they're like amazing mind-blowing action especially for 1997 oh yeah it's it it goes back and forth very very quickly and that can be hard in 2022 to uh to grapple with to like put yourself in the mindset of someone who is okay with <laughs> that many graphical shifts. The the characters in Final Fantasy VII have like each character has like five or six different ways mm-hmm. they exist and, and styles that they exist in. The most often one that you see is the sort of overworld exploration mode yep. where your character is moving around on these kind of pre-rendered 
um, just kind of they're honestly just moving around on pieces of art, right. basically that someone has made. Right. The backgrounds in uh, Final Fantasy VII, I think a lot of them do uh, stand the test of time, so, but the oh, character totally. models uh, do not, and yeah. really cannot. And well, that's the thing: is Final Fantasy VII was happening at this little, this vortex, this apex right. of what can we do? Right. Oh, about how many concessions do we have to make? Well, let's make them anyways. Yeah. And for by and large, when the game came out, people just accepted it. People were like, well, wow, this is because great. Because all you have before, I mean, you look at just even the closest example within the franchise, you look at Final Fantasy VI, which has like a big, complex, like, you know, operatic storyline, mm-hmm. but it's all sprites. And and uh, as gamers in at the time, you're used to just sprites telling your story. And it's like, right. oh, they, they go through like like a three frame cycle when they're talking or whatever sure. and their arms wave up and down. Mm-hmm. And so Final Fantasy 7 for huge portions of it is just making 3D versions of just that. And if you put yourself in the mindset of like, hey, we're just trying to barely improve the pixel graphics for some of the game. Like we're just trying to like up the ante on that. Mm-hmm. And then we've thrown in the spice of some full video, you know, cinematics. Right. And with that mindset, it made it a lot easier for me to like. You cannot go into this game and be like expecting anything modern. Even I mean, even by Final Fantasy VIII, they've like shifted what they can accomplish with all of this stuff. But thinking of Final Fantasy VII as just an improvement from the Super Nintendo era of RPGs, like right. you can see the magic that everybody saw at the time. They can move their arms. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> right. Like that's a, it's they not can, a two frame this cycle and then that. It's yeah. like literally a full yeah their full arms motion can thing, move. and that they, that's impressive. They jump the around. Yeah. They, well, actually, they jumped around in in older Final Fantasy games too. But they, I don't know. It's 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 they're upping the ante, Matt. But yeah. they're also going to a completely new different uh, different form. Yeah. So that's what's kind of amazing about the accomplishment is right. they were able to say. Let's do more than what we've done with sprites, and we're not even using sprites yes, anymore. Right. It's now we're talking full 3D character model stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which other, I mean, other JRPG series did not go. There's right. so many PlayStation One JRPGs that, that are great, with. but they stuck with the sprites and stuff, yeah. and and the, uh, largely that stuff really worked out. But this, the thing about Final Fantasy, as compared to like, you know, you have the two big JRPG series. You have Final Fantasy and you have Dragon Quest, mm-hmm. and to me, the difference is. That Dragon Quest just wants to be a place you can come home to. Yeah. And Final Fantasy is trying to change your life, yeah. basically. Trying to change the medium. Yeah. As it, um, as it progresses. And honestly, the older I've gotten, the more I've been like, ah, I want to go home to Dragon Quest. Yeah. Um, just because it's warmer, it's nicer, it's sweeter. It's not trying to push at the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But the Final Fantasy VII, I think, was the height of Square's ability to push forward into the future yeah let's get personal yeah tell me yeah. about tell me about your life hunter your whole life with final fantasy 7 <sighs> oh my god <laughs> so this is these are not the types of episodes i like to do uh-huh. um because i don't really like being i like being the other guy basically mm-hmm. it's just kind of how i like to do it um and this this episode is very much uh we're talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart that I would say matters very little to you. You know, we don't uh, we don't share before this, this moment. This well, it didn't. This I didn't. This game didn't matter to me at all until probably two years ago. I don't think I don't know that you would be here listening to me right now if it weren't for this game. Like, to be honest, right. I think I think that I liked video games before Final Fantasy seven came out. When Final Fantasy seven came out, my inner the way I interacted with games changed. Yeah. Games were now something that I sort of lived and breathed instead mm-hmm. of just uh, a fun thing that I liked to do. I played a lot of Super Nintendo, played a lot of Genesis. And then 
Final Fantasy VII comes out, suddenly I have to have a PlayStation. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about games all the time. Because Final Fantasy VII had a way of it, it of capturing your imagination. I was like seven or eight yeah. when I first played Final Fantasy VII. And the, the characters, the world, the story, even in its poorly translated state, blew my mind yeah. open with the possibilities of where games could go and what games could be. It was that first, for me, moment where I was realizing that I was a person playing games and that as, because this medium is so new mm-hmm. and so, uh, that it's so young, that as I played games, the experiences would change and the possibility yeah. vortex for what I could experience with you know, these digital toys yeah. was going to widen. And it was the first time that I had experienced that. Because when I came to games, when I was born and started playing games, they were set up this way. This yeah. is how they were set up. Right. For all I'd known, they had always been like this, yeah. you know? And Final Fantasy VII came along and said, like, it can go deeper. Right. And and you were eight. And I was eight. <laughs> and I was eight. And, and the music of the Final Fantasy games is the thing... If if you if you are somebody that has tried to play these games and been like I just like don't get it, mm-hmm. the music is the thing that for I think people that enjoy these games it's the thing that makes the experience easier to uh, invest in, especially mm-hmm. emotionally. It carries the experience um, because so much of it is not you know. Ex- has has like even a high level of execution. Uh-huh. The way that the characters talk to each other, the dialogue, uh, the way that the story... I, lo- I love the way the game of Final Fantasy VII is structured. The way the story is structured yeah. is not that interesting. Right. But the music is what is hitting you. Right. That is what you're actually connecting with. Right. And I'm one of those kids, you know, when when Aerith died, I cried. Yeah. Like, yeah, Aerith died and I cried. Right. And 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 I I rewatched that clip before recording this, and I'm realizing that the exact moment mm-hmm. that I started crying is when the music hits. the music hits. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing is like if you don't get Final Fantasy, right? Especially Final Fantasy games of this era, I think what it really comes down to is you are just not connecting with. Uh, the music right because the music is the thing well and that makes sense to get into some like kind of film theory stuff there there's an idea and again these are games trying to be more cinematic and more film-like there's an idea in filmmaking which is like hey don't lean on the music the music should reinforce the emotionality Mm -hmm. of your scenes but like that should exist without the music but obviously a good score can raise those stakes but we're talking about games that don't have the complexity of the human face's range of emotions right. to it's do not that. A film. So it's a game. music actually is the only thing <laughs> that can carry you because yeah, the the dialogue prompts are not even you. It, you can't even say it's like a book. There's a there's thousands of lines of dialogue in the game or whatever, but that does not mean it is the complexity of reading. You know, the Odyssey or whatever. Like it's it's so simplified, but the music doesn't have to be simplified. It's still kind of bits and boops in this era. They're, they're raising the complexity of, like, what is capable on these machines at the time. Mm-hmm. And you feel that a lot, I think, in this game of comparing it to SNES, just MIDI stuff. They're, what Uematsu is able to do with, with MIDI technology is kind of mind-blowing in, in this game. 
I don't know that. Well, yeah, I, I say MIDI, and that's me so talking okay. out of ignorance. But like the technology of that time, he's obviously not scoring it with actual instruments. Is all I mean. These are not audio recordings. These but are at digital times, creations. depending on the track we're talking about, it, it, seems so like it. it sounds like actual instruments. Yeah. Um, and there is, uh, there's choir stuff. Mm. There's like, uh, vo there's not singing per se. Well, there's like chanting. There's some chanting. Hey, yeah. hey this one's chanting. got chanting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like. I think that the music was the thing that was the most, uh, that had the, the highest ceiling for how good it could be. Exactly. To a certain extent, you, I mean, you're correct that they couldn't just do whatever they wanted yeah. music-wise, but that li that limit on how good it could be right. was the loosest. Sure. So it just came down to how, how well do you want to compose? And I would right. say that this is when, you know, with, with the soundtrack to Final Fantasy III, I mean, uh, Nobuo... Uematsu had already done a lot of amazing music. He did the music for Chrono Trigger. Uh, Final Fantasy VI uh, has a really great score. Final Fantasy IV has a great score. Mm -hmm. um, with Seven, I feel like he kind of transitioned into a new period of experimenting with a lot of different sounds and styles of music Yeah. Um, in a way that... I think just completely grabbed me, right? Uh, and really did not let me go. I mean, there's there are tracks off of. I'm not ashamed to say there's tracks off of the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack that if I listen to, I will feel yeah. emotional. Well, about. and that's. I mean, okay, to go back to the Aerith thing. Oh, I'm sorry, we spoiled Aerith dying for you. By the way, my bad. Oops. Whatever. Uh, no. Um. But you they, should know that Aerith dies because use... it was a big deal. But it won't. That's the thing is, I think I don't. I don't know that you can if you. You may have missed the boat, listener, on yeah. Final Fantasy VII, and that it just yeah. it it's not going to work. But even at this within point. that, even within that, you like the music does carry weight of some things. Where even like okay, I, I we're going to talk about my stuff in a minute, and I, like I have like dumb petty gripes that have no understanding of the legacy of this game. Matt but, never cried because of this game. Yeah, this, exactly. This, uh, this that, game does not matter to Matt. Right, but there's an obvious emotional connection of the idea that there are character themes in this game that, mm -hmm. that pop up and the one everybody talks about is Aerith's theme because yeah, there's a there's a theme happens when you meet Aerith and there's themes happening when Aerith dies and then Aerith is dead and gone and the characters are constantly referring to the sacrifice she made and the, the important mm -hmm. beat that that was at the turning point of this story and then there's moments where the song fades back in oh, man. in a climactic moment and you're oh, like, bud. Oh, oh God! Oh, it's it is there. It's in me. Like the music mm -hmm. did still get me, even though I haven't emotionally connected. I didn't cry with it when Aerith died, but I I almost cried when the music came back. I'm almost crying right now thinking about that song coming in when you're walking in through like the final areas of the game, and 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 you remember being here where she died. You return to the place she died. Oh yeah, and you That's have to. Great. You gotta I gotta I gotta grapple with that. So I think that. I think that I would be willing to, cons if somebody was playing Final Fantasy VII and saying like, this game's really dumb, uh, I would know what they meant. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm so confused. How could Final Fantasy right. be dumb? I just think that Final Fantasy VII still has a power yeah. to it. Right. Because there is something special about a game that's being made by a group of people that have been kind of sharpening their sword right. for a long time now and now they're getting a chance to make something that they know yeah. while they're making it right they want to be a revolution right and that's something that like i don't know sometimes i think about the 90s and games in general and i feel like we've lost that spirit somewhat mm -hmm. especially 
when I say that, I don't necessarily, I'm not talking about the, the indie devs, the people that are yeah. really putting their heart and soul into games. I just feel like on that big stage, right. somewhat, I feel like I don't play a lot of really big games where it feels like, man, the people making this yeah. were bonkers. Right. They well, were you, just trying to make something crazy totally. work. You, you see that twice, I think, in gaming's history, which is the NES, which is like technologically mm-hmm. rising very far above what was even possible before. And then PlayStation N64 area, the era, this early 3D graphics is what we have today now is just like, oh, we can have 10,000 more pixels, I guess. We can, oh, we can yep. do, we can do like ray tracing. I guess ray tracing is pretty cool, but like that doesn't mean anything to a, to a, person engaging with an artistic thing. I love thing. those rays, <laughs> yeah, man. Love, I'm trying I, to get rays everywhere. <laughs> I love my rays. But, like, there's nothing to compare the idea... Like, imagine any other medium having that sort of technological breakthrough. It is it is only equivalent to the introduction of sound and color in yeah. film. Right. Yeah. Right? That's, that's what 3D <laughs> brought to the table. And Final Fantasy VII has some some issues in it and and it's kind of fudging some rules but like so was the wizard of oz Mm -hmm. like the wizard of oz is like a (laughs) hand-painted film yeah right and the colors in it are crazy and not realistic yet and kind of doing all these fantastical things but the promise of what's going to happen with color is Mm -hmm. evident there and the promise of what's going to be possible with with cinematics and 3d rendering is evident in final fantasy 7 i want to change your film example sure because wizard of oz is a bad comparison for final fantasy 7 because wizard of oz is timeless sure and it's a it's like it's true one of the first old hollywood big big classics uh final fantasy 7 to me is more like that guy eisenstein making just being like, so here's how emotions might work right. in a game, right. in a big game. Yeah. Here's how it might work. Right. And then it's like, there are these moments where it was like, oh, wow, that that did work. Yeah. But it feels more like someone trying to discover the Kuleshov effect versus right. like, right. you know, hey, someone... Hey, train that, is scary. Yeah. <laughs> that train yeah. coming towards us, like, it's freaked me out. It, it, it is. And, you know, to st- we're going to have... We're going to steal another point from uh, Tim Rogers from his uh, Final Fantasy VII remake review. review he did for his YouTube channel, Action Button. Final Fantasy VII, there was something about it that it was like a promise of yep. an idea. Yep. And so literally everyone that played it was like, I love this game. However, right. uh, wouldn't it be cool if right. everyone, if the graphics were even better? Everybody and- playing it is is allowing themselves to see the graphics as they are. And inside their brain, it's getting, it is like reading a book where you start to visualize the things yourself. You're seeing the stuff on screen, but you're visualizing something different. And and the reason, it, to me, it seems like people hold seven in such a high regard that no other Final Fantasy is held in. Because, like, you get to eight and immediately there's all sorts of people that are like, yeah, I don't really like eight. Because eight is them being forced to fulfill their own promise. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to please everybody in that way sure whereas seven is just a promise and everybody can make it whatever they want it to be well and i think it helps that seven so okay we've so much this is like 30 minutes of preamble and we've yet to actually describe the game game on its own terms and the story of the game on its own terms so i want i want to start with the story in this actual game because i do think that the premise the pitch of final fantasy seven is really good yeah Final Fantasy VII is a game about a group of, I guess they're eco-terrorists, essentially, 
um, they're these kind of spunky uh, late late teens, early twenties mm-hmm. group of essentially anime type characters, uh, but I would say good anime type character archetypes. Yeah, um, that live in a city uh, called Midgar. Midgar is like a Blade Runner type cyberpunk right. dystopia where literally. Uh, the rich people live on a, a plate above yeah. these poor people that live in slums down beneath. You play as characters that live in the slums down beneath. In fact, you never see the uh, upper yeah. uh, layer. Uh, although you do in the Final Fantasy VII remake, which is like kind of a fun little thing. They have like just like normal houses and stuff. It's, a, <laughs> it's actually kind of underwhelming as far as art design. But um, uh, essentially, this uh, group of characters set out on a whirlwind adventure uh, to try and stop the evil Shinra Electric Company. Um, <laughs> honestly, the the themes of the conflict of Final Fantasy VII are, you know, I the, the, these themes still work. Yeah. These, this all upsettingly still timeless. Yeah, upsettingly <laughs> timeless. Uh, the the bad guy is a power company. Yeah. Uh, that is using these um, Mako reactors is what they're called in the game um, to uh, power Midgar and all of these other cities as well across mm-hmm. uh, across the world of Final Fantasy VII. And of course, the, it's killing the planet. Of right. course, I mean, what else? Right. You know, what else could it be? Um, and then also, there's a guy named Sephiroth who has long hair and a big sword, uh, and he's worse. He's got his stuff going on. Yeah, sure. he's a he is a Final Fantasy bad guy archetype. Yeah. Um, the the classic Final Fantasy bad guy is a sort of disaffected, strange uh, person that talks in weird, yeah. uh, like kind of. Uh, big, big upped language, right. big upped language, yeah. I would say, and <laughs> fancies themselves some sort of godlike person that will destroy the world. Yeah. The, every Final Fantasy game, for as good as um, the story might be, depending mm-hmm. on, I mean, all of this is kind of your mileage may vary uh, as far as how much of this you're interested in. Every Final Fantasy game falls apart at the end because the bad guy always wants to destroy the world. Right. And then the characters, I, I the heroes say prevent them. The plot of Final Fantasy VII, though, at least slowly works its way to that and gets like it makes mako energy and like the idea that there are living gods like it trickles that in slow Uh enough where you could understand why in this world where well i've kind of met another somewhat living god yep uh so sephiroth sort of aspiring towards that makes sense for a villain that might, might, might and and like just everything is about harnessing what feels like a celestial yeah soul like energy so it it does it does build a case for the idea that the, the joke of every final fantasy game is by the end you're fighting a god yes and it's like wow always we were, we were earlier we were just some people in the countryside and now, and now, and now, we're, now we're fighting, fighting a god, god. Yeah. but in this one it does kind of build up to that in a way that's that true is acceptable yeah i mean i think uh for a final fantasy story uh seven story is uh ambitious but not horribly executed because we are essentially talking about the I don't know silent film era yeah. of trying to tell stories I right. think is that's what I think of with with JRPGs a lot of it is you know ideas that that they're there enough for you to get them yeah they're not executed so well to where the poetry in them is obvious right. basically and I mean th- this is a game where it has everything I just described to you in it it also has like uh, Godzilla type monsters yeah. which is pretty cool right. and uh, the main character has some weird stuff going on with yeah. him um, that I, I think is where the game is most ambitious, yeah. basically, yeah. In, as far as storytelling goes. It's where it gets the most anime of like, 
weird haunting pasts that also aren't the past you think it is and it gets very convoluted I towards don't, about the three-fourths mark <laughs> i will say i do think that the twist of and i don't know if i want to ruin that twist yeah the, the twist of final fantasy 7 is maybe the only story beat where i feel like it is so interesting mm-hmm. that i would probably defend it outright yeah. i just think it is such a such a cool the way that so i'll 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 reveal a little bit of it um, very early in this game, uh, you're the main character uh, in this story. Uh, his name is uh, Cloud, which is a silly name. Yeah. Uh, but everything, he also has a very big sword. And also one of your friends, his name is Barrett, and he has a gun for an arm. It's yeah. a silly, <laughs> this is a silly world. Very early in the game, uh, Cloud uh, reveals a flashback. He sort of tells a story mm-hmm. to his friends about himself and uh, this this mad god character, Sephiroth, the kind yeah. of big bad um, and it paints the two of them as people that work together, that are mm, vaguely friends. Um, and it's this whole story he tells, and it is the, there's something up with it. And yeah. you revisit this story several times until you kind of find out what is happening with this guy. Right. Um, and in that in that regard, I really like that aspect of yeah. the story. Dealing with your own identity and your own memory. I I do think the complexity of what they're trying to describe is where the translation fails you the most. For sure. It's it for me. No, I knew the twist. I knew the twist going into it. But even then, like trying to take it all in, it's still hard to understand sometimes because they're summarizing incredibly complex things by just saying like four words, (laughs) like a couple, like it gets whittled. The hardest stuff in it is cloud's got memories of these things and like oh we're trying to figure out what's going on there but his best friend in the whole world tifa also has memories and yep. I, I could never grapple with what was going on with why tifa shares me- like that was hard to parse oh in okay. the translation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i see what you're saying yeah no that's uh well yeah i don't i don't want to get i don't want to get too far into that plot sure. point let's um talk about your playthrough and the game as a game yeah so this is my first JRPG ever, unless you decide to count Pokemon games, which I don't, I mean, counts, but also what I realized probably way too late into this game mm. is Pokemon uh, built up some really bad assumptions and tendencies in me about Ooh. JRPGs that sullied the experience of Final Fantasy VII. Like and it, wasn't upon, it wasn't until later upon reflection that I was like, man, if I had erased pokemon from my brain mm-hmm. i could have probably enjoyed all of final fantasy 7 more what do you what do you feel like are those bad tendencies that pokemon gave you um that grinding is just is just a thing you do you just smash a and grind so that yeah. your level goes up yeah and that's how you beat bosses because uh-huh. in Pokemon, there's not a whole lot more complexity. Like, you can find a couple of new moves out in the world, but, like, not really. You don't, like, go right. exploring. And interacting with the monsters that you fight is not any more complex than kill it. Right. Kill the other monster. And it took me a very, very long time to realize that Final Fantasy VII would like me to do much more than just kill every monster that comes up in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I can... And so, okay, let's let's get into it. The the idea for me was then, okay, I'm going to play a 40-hour game, and it's going to have a lot of grinding in it because it's a JRPG. I'm kind of already dreading it because I'm going to have to grind. Like, I'm right. not I'm not meeting it on its level. I'm not doing any favors for this game, right? Yeah. It's that, so I'm already 
step one, I've cheated this game out of uh, presenting myself with a good experience. Well, so I, I just wanted to, so for anybody that doesn't understand JRPGs, grinding is when you just fight random monsters for yeah, no reason. Right. Um, well, and RPGs in general have grinding, right? Um, in JRPGs, I would say that the grinding, the amount of grinding that you do is just a function of how difficult you want the game to be. Mm-hmm. You grind to make the game easier. Right. I would say, I would recommend, if you are playing a JRPG for the first time, that you try and avoid grinding. Yeah. Let yourself get to a point where a boss is kicking your butt and then grind, right. essentially. I somewhat agree with that, but what I would push back with is, because y- you were telling me that, in the lead up to me playing this mm-hmm. game. And, and it, it made sense to me what you were saying. But the difference is, and all of this is so hard to say because any JRPG starts mechanically too simple for me. Right. All, every single JRPG or every RPG in existence starts with just like not enough stuff going on. Right. Which means you just sort of build up this like habit of like, well, the first like four hours, I'm just kind of like, I have attack and I have fireball and then I attack and I fireball. And yeah, but okay, you say that, but I would say with in. In regards to Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII, if it, this is a mistake that it makes, but it's also something that I feel like tripped you up in a big way. Final Fantasy VII starts, here's a few things that are actually very complicated, mm-hmm. but we're not telling you how complicated they we're are. Not telling you how to and use then them. at one point, there is a, a critical point you missed yeah. where they're like, well, here's us explaining yeah. about half of the game systems. Yeah. I missed the tutorial it, of this in, game. <laughs> in this era of JRPGs, there is an expectation that you are not going to just play this game, yeah. that you are going to be all about it. Right. And and they are rewarding people that are going to be all about it, that are going to talk to every NPC, yeah. that are going to look in every nook and cranny. And that's the part where Pokemon, once again, led me astray, because you can talk to every NPC in Pokemon, but you go up to them and they're like, I like running shorts. Yeah. Running shorts are the best. Right. And there's nothing there. And you can talk to a couple NPCs in Final Fantasy VII and get a similar level sure. of engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw that and I went, all right, well, forget that. Right. I'm not going to go around and talk to every single right. thing because all I'm ever going to learn about is how much they like running shorts. I don't care. Right. Um, and the similar... Di- I think all this stuff I'm talking about, I'm referring to the first section of the game. If you know the game, I'm like talking about stuff that was going on in my head in Midgar. Um, so... I want to frame that for everybody. So first I, off, I also th- I want to say this though yeah. too. This was the wrong game to pick for your first sure. JRPG experience so. because the opening, you know, three hours, three to six hours of yeah. uh, Final Fantasy VII, the Midgar section, is I think it's it's like a landmark. It's right. like a this this is a huge deal. And I skipped over it. Basically. And yeah, you just kind of got through it as fast as you yeah. could without really taking stock of what it what it was doing basically so if you had had any other jrpg experience right and then been like whoa this is like kind of uh the this is the fanciest cut of the meat basically that they could do at this point yes and add to that the disconnect of um there's random encounters in this game which is already just like it's an older style of thing and it's not inherently bad but it's annoying to a lot of like modern gamers the idea of just random encounters and not only are they random encounters but they are seemingly random monster designs with no presence in the rest of the game no other cinematic has these monsters in them yeah so it seems completely inexplicable why these monsters exist to to me is what i'm saying i'm I'm not saying this is true but i'm saying my me going in with the bad assumptions led me to the conclusions that well it's just a bunch of dumb random monsters that don't matter so i just need to kill them all oh i'm fighting a house now okay whatever no no desire 
to investigate further. Right. What could be different about the different monsters and like paying attention to the monster design and what that like i'm literally just spamming a, I, like or, or perhaps paying attention to what abilities you have access to and what besides they are just doing getting through and, the exactly. combat i'm just trying to smash my way through the stuff because in my head i just need to collect materia that will give me some new powers kind of like will give me new spells mm-hmm. not thinking about like combo stuff yet it's just like well i'm gonna get some spells right and mostly i'm just gonna punch everything to death right and that's it and i played a significant chunk of the game just on that assumption and just instead trying to be like all right well i'll just at least get invested in the story and then the story is poorly translated and i am aware of the translation and i had already watched the let's mosey thing so i had like the tools to like sort of parse when it's a bad translation like what to how to retranslate it in my head how to kind of take in the ideas not necessarily things like the guy saying this guy are sick exactly uh but it still is like a thing that's always present and it's always like it's i'm having to put in all this extra work <laughs> to to meet the game on its level and again this isn't a this isn't a capital t truth of the game i'm saying this is how i sullied my own experience going into it is because i went in with all these bad uh, assumptions i've put myself into this moment and so i played a huge chunk of the game like that mm-hmm. and the difficulty spike or difficulty curve of this game lets you get away with that because like hunter said you this game can just be as hard as you want it to be every jrpg can be kind of as hard as you want it to be basically and it literally wasn't until like the final couple hours of the game that you really start to discover some uh combos within the materia system the materia system are these little orbs it's obviously a, a huge uh, step in JRPG design. Even I can see that and see that it's cool. Even mm. with even with me like not using it properly. Um, but you know, you get certain materials that can be combined with other materials to make them do new, more interesting can, things. Can I explain the material system yeah. real quick? So, um, as opposed to having uh, like a class system yeah. that a, an RPG and even JRPGs um, would have, uh, I said an RPG or JRP, a Western RPG or a JRPG would have uh you know your classes your yeah. your your fighter your mage right. your cleric whatever um instead of that uh the materia system in final fantasy 7 sort of took let's take all of the abilities that we would want our classes mm-hmm. to have and let's chop them up into these individual pieces yeah. and let you kind of dj style mix yeah. them however you want so I, now you're making up the the class right. by taking you know I want I want this guy to have ice magic. Right. He has ice magic. And then but also he's a thief. He has a steel right. magic as well right. essentially. It's wild to me that they've not properly returned to this. I mean Final Fantasy 7 remake. I know, but that uh, that's a remake, so of course they would, but I'm just saying it's it's wild that they've never because there are other Final Fantasy core systems that they have iterated upon a couple times sure and they've never retouched materia and that's kind of wild well me. i think so what happened was the materia system evolved into, i don't want to get into this sure, but sure, the materia sure. system evolved into a different thing that is actually much more dynamic hmm. um and also a little more uh guided if yeah. anything materia it's very open-ended what it seems like is square realized that materia was a little too open yeah um and then they got into these kind of um it's so in most uh, Final Fantasy games now, uh, starting with ten and kind of going forward, the, your character progression is like a board game you're playing separately, mm. um, where you are on, you can take your character in any direction on this board, mm-hmm. but the the 
paths you can take have been pre-baked yeah. by the designers. Simplified. The designers are saying like, here's the directions you can take this character. Whereas with Final Fantasy VII, they're just kind of like, every ability has been chopped and screwed. Just right. throw them in however you want. Right, right, right. So the, the, the game remains pretty easy for a huge chunk of it. There's like one hard boss fight right at the beginning that like definitely trips you up and you got to figure stuff Again, out. Again, it is easy if you're overleveled. Yeah. Well, but even within the overleveling, there's there's one boss early on that throws in completely new effects where you're like, oh, wait, I can't just smash attack through this. Like, I have to I have to come up with different ways to avoid this, like, lockdown effect. This right. Guy. But then, like, that returns somewhat rarely. The idea, the idea that, like, the battlefield has crazy, like, counter moves happening on it. That, that, that there's huge swaths which of the one game are, what, what are you referring to the when you say that? guy close to the top i don't remember his name it's it's one of the dudes you fight at the top of shinra reno Tower. reno that when reno he, when fight he puts when reno and rude and 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 he's putting you in the pyramid that's thing. right yeah that's a complicated fight where you're like oh whoa the system has some depth to it that i gotta learn more stuff to and then it doesn't really do that again for a very long time like there's there's mostly simplified fights for quite a while longer after that that you can just grind through yeah but you but again if you, I, I think your experience would have been different if you had grinded less, basically. Well, if I, I think my experience would have been better if I'd grinded in the right way, which is to say the other, the big problem I had then is there's a sense of exploration I ignored in this mm-hmm. game because it seemed rudimentary and and just things I didn't, I didn't want to go talk to every single NPC. Right. Th- there's a point in this game where you can start discovering all of the more complicated materia. Right. But if you don't discover like the game rewards you for exploring by giving you the more complicated tools. Totally. And because that's optional, it makes it too easy to completely miss out on the technical mastery of the system. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I went into the final thing with like a couple of complex uh, like combo support materials. But then mostly just all of the same spells and I and, and like no distinction of like when and why I would use some spells over other ones. It was just like, well, it's like, well, that's going to do ice damage. That's going to do fire damage. That's you know, this one's called gravity. I don't know what that means. It just you, does you gravity damage. You played this game like you were cramming for a test, basically. Pretty much. You're just yeah. like, I need to get it in my brain. Yeah, so I didn't have time for side quests. Right. I, didn't, I didn't make time for side quests, I should say. Um. So all of this exploration is stuff I missed over, which meant then I didn't get to do all of the stuff that people find really really fun about it yeah about the system itself um until the very very end of the game when i was nervous about how hard the final boss was going to be because there's quite a difficulty spike right at the end the last handful chunk of bosses are like way harder than pretty much anything else you've done in the entire game right there's like the reno fight there's one other boss fight kind of in the middle of the game and then it's easy street until the end game is what I would say. At least that's what my experience was. And so then in prepping for the end game, I start really investigating what is at my disposal, a step I should have taken at hour three and instead took at hour 35. Right. That's on me. And I recognize that. Right. But I suddenly started having fun because then at the very end of the game, I realized, oh, certain enemies have two different ways for me to acquire items. I can morph them or I can steal the items off of you Mm -hmm. and getting those items can change what I can do with my team and then searching the world for more materia means I can do different combos. I started watching videos about like combos people like to do and the style of grinding changed in my brain. It wasn't just, you're not just grinding, you're grinding to acquire 
the sets of items you can do so that you can set up the crazy combos you want to do. Oh, I want to do a thing where when my character dies, it immediately casts a spell that revives the whole team and does a ton of damage to the... Like, that stuff had never been opened up to my brain right. before that because I didn't even acquire the stuff. You get summons in this game that don't explain anything to you. They just do a big, crazy, flashy animation. And for me, not investigating enough... I didn't know what those were, so I barely used summons at all, except for, like, the obvious super powerful ones. Yeah. I think that... So, I think that that, that the way the way that you played it... I mean, the game did not hook you in any way. I right. mean, why, I mean, you had... It, it feels like you kind of played it with, like, almost zero interest right. in what the game was. You right. were just trying to complete well, it. Well, in the early... You're trying to hit the... In the know. early hours, I was open to just experiencing the story, because as it had been presented to me... That not just from you, from reading online, people talk about it like, well, if you just want to play the story of a JRPG, the JRPG is set up to do that. And I was like, okay, I guess that's just kind of what I should do then. But yeah, I that's fine. Don't. But but for me personally, I did. I denied myself what I actually find pleasurable in games, which is like, I don't care that much about a game's story necessarily. Yeah. I will experience it, but I want that strategic depth and I want to experience that. And I didn't go for that. I didn't try that because I just kind of went, well, I guess I'm just... I don't know how to do that, so I'm just going to, like, kind of burn through the story and see what that's got to offer me. I think, so, like, the way I play a JRPG that I've already played before, like, the way I would play Final Fantasy VII at this point in my life, and the way that I think, the most fun way, I think, to play these games is to be, like, I'm going to be smart with the system and waste my time with grinding the absolute least amount possible, basically. The goal is to... Make sure that I'm never grinding, yeah. basically. Right. Um, which is at odds with exploration because a lot of times in the dungeons is where they will hide the items and stuff. So right. there is kind of a, uh, a, I mean, Final Fantasy VII doesn't have a new game plus mode, but there is kind of a like, in replaying it, you can appreciate it somewhat better as far as the combat system goes. But yeah. at the end of the day, you started with Pokemon, and that's not actually a bad play. I mean, how hard is Pokemon? Sure, like no. it's yeah. it. The difficulty of the game is not the primary focus. Yeah. Um. And I think the way that Pokemon motivates you to be creative, to kind of have your own creativity with right. how you interact how with you, the combat system, is up. a similar expectation right. for, uh, especially Final Fantasy VII in particular, right. because of the materia system. It's sort of like saying, "Here's all this stuff." Yeah. Now. Do whatever you feel like with it. Right. And that's where people get excited is just having fun with it. Yeah. However, when it comes to difficulty and talking about difficulty in Final Fantasy, I think that uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII can get very, very hard. Right. There's all these optional things that are crazy Insanely difficult, difficult. And they expect you to do the big, scary combos. Yeah. The the part that I got tripped up on and the reason that I keep coming back to it because it's, it is a... I feel like there's going to be people out there that share my assumptions about these games and when people talk about grinding, what they mean. Because I really do think it's important to note that that grinding in this game is grinding not for just stats. It's grinding for things to, like, for new abilities. Knowledge of the systems. And knowledge of the systems. There's so much stuff where... I got, I, you know, I would do the, the steal action on an enemy. Mm-hmm. And if it missed like once, I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to just do this over and over again. I'm trying to get through these. I just want to get oh, through yeah. these random encounters. Right. And I didn't realize till later, like the random encounters are not especially difficult and are your opportunity. You're supposed to sort of camp out 
in the random encounters and like, well, let me let me let me scan him, see what he's got. Okay, let's do a little steal. Yeah, you're not oh, really... Let me steal again. I'm not trying. I should be trying to not do damage to these enemies so that I can kind of figure out their whole thing, see what they got on them, and then see if it's worth trying to get more of that item or try to get more of that thing or whatever it is. Um, there's there's so many things you can gain from enemies in the game. There's a there's a a materia called uh, enemy skill and just by having it like equipped you literally gain some of the powers that enemies use against you right and in some guides i was reading like it suggested specific enemies to go after to get and it's like okay well i went and got those and in doing it through the guide like i denied myself the experience of realizing that like i should try to get every enemy's enemy skill like i should be checking in with my enemy skill thing not totally. that you have to do all of them but it's like keep checking on that and like experiment with your abilities whereas I saw uh, random encounters as a waste of my resources because I had to keep, I would have to keep healing if I was out in the overworld map for too long. I would need to like use up all my tents or use up all my potions and, and things like that. And I was just like, the longer I spend in the overworld, the more I waste stuff, which is the opposite of how the overworld should be. The overworld should be this opportunity to stock up on stuff whereas i was treating the shops in the game as like well i need to get money to buy the items that then get wasted in the overworld map so i'm just trying to get from area to area and the overworld map was like this huge nuisance in the way i was playing which was completely at odds with how it was designed yeah and i would say also like this is hard to talk about because we just have a completely different history when it comes to this type of thing so especially when talking about difficulty i i would say if you were feeling like you're having to use items all the time right then actually the game was pretty hard right because in they the should have been doing like no damage to me in that I, the, I would i would get through four battles and like oh time to tent up again you should have been full of i would say renewable resources yeah. and then items are like non-renewables right, right? right. so like that's kind of my and, and it's kind of a jrpg um trope at this point where you show up to the final boss and With you have like 99 elixirs. of yeah. like all these things because the goal they're saying here's items this is the least efficient way you could keep yourself in check. Right. Find a better way to do it. Right. And then that's when you start, you know, breaking the game. And right. I will say that there's something about the way JRPGs are set up where the designers are kind of, I feel like, asking you to like, what would be really fun is if you could just break this baby wide open right. and just do whatever you want with right. it. And that's where I think in general, you have to either have an appetite for that type of design mm-hmm. Uh, and be like, yeah, I'm down to break. Th- I mean, my my fav- my classic favorite game of all time, uh, which is not even a good game, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I would ever want to talk about it on the show, is actually the next Final Fantasy game, Final yeah. Fantasy VIII. Uh, it's a game for weirdo freaks, uh, and I would I would call people that like Final Fantasy VIII number perverts. Um, you gotta like numbers in a weird way. Final Fantasy VIII just begs you to, break to literally just pop the disc out and snap her in half, basically. Uh, and Final Fantasy VII has like a like a ghost of that, a, a small amount of that uh, yeah. willingness to break it. But breaking Final Fantasy games is pretty. That's uh, a good yeah. time, man. Well, but and I I am. I think I'm more open to that than we that you're even talking about because like I would argue Elder Scrolls games are have some of that same thing in them where it's like, hey, you can make it to where your stupid guy kills everything in one hit right. and yeah, yeah. has no need for money ever again right. at all. Like those are games are ob- the, also designed to just be broken into the nothing. optimal path. Yeah. You know, it's like there's got to be 
And that and that's how much people get. That's how they designed these games, knowing that people were going to play them for hundreds of hours. Right. So that's why it's like that's the biggest mistake I made. Yes, is I didn't want to play it for hundreds of hours, and it's what it begs of you. It begs of you mm-hmm. to care about enough to play it for hundreds of hours, just like I'm willing to do with Elder Scrolls games. I go into an Elder Scrolls game not going gotta beeline it for the ending. Yes. I go, I'll experience the story as it comes up. But I also just kind of want to go check out that cave, and I want to go see what that thing's got. And I should have, I should have given that to this game. Right. And that's why I'm setting up to play Final Fantasy IX. But spoiler alert: you won't see a Final Fantasy IX episode for like maybe a year or Who longer knows? or two yeah. because I'm playing it in the background. Hunter and I have a schedule of games that I gotta play for the show. Right. But I'm taking my sweet, sweet time with Final Fantasy IX, meeting it on its terms, so that I can just. Not feel like I'm rushing it for the show because that's what ruined my Final Fantasy VII experience was right. playing it for this show where I was where we looked at it and said, well, let's try to do the episode by like January or whatever. Like right. we put it on a timeline that meant I had to get it done yeah. and that ruined it because you shouldn't just be trying to get the game done. You should be enjoying the entire process well, of and, the game. And also it was a mistake to pick the one that is the most at the that intersection yeah. of possibility right. and uh execution what sucks is how bad i want to replay it so that i can give it its day in the sun again like i want to give it the right attempt but it's like well i want to try other stuff too like i want to get into some other luckily square enix is going to spend the rest of your life slowly (laughs) remaking final fantasy (laughs) 7 one small chunk at a time 10 years at a time (laughs) it will if if i if i play the last episode of the final fantasy 7 remake before i die yeah i will be surprised (laughs) I think it will be the first cross generational. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't think Tetsuya Tetsuya Nomura will make it no. to the end of Final Fantasy VII remake. Definitely not. Uh, not that he's an especially old guy. He's mm-hmm. not that much older than we are. Even. Right. I right. mean, well, I think he's in his fifties, but um, he looks great. Uh, great belts, <laughs> great buckles. Yeah. Big big ass boots. Um, <laughs> Hunter, I feel like so this has already gone long because this is a big game to talk about, but. Yeah. Um, we do have a job to do. Yeah. And I don't want to. I th- I don't care about this part. Of Neither it. do I is the problem. Oh, this that's is not, not true. This is, you, this, this, no, this I don't. Is, I really don't. This is the, your life. The, this is not going to be Matt, a Matt, don't lie thing. to me. <laughs> Just... Here's the thing. Hunter wants me to hurt this game. Hunter's been saying for a couple of weeks, like, let's put the let's put nerds in their place and like you can just be as mean as you want to to I, this thing. And I, I refuse. I think that when we get to the ranking part, yeah. when we rank the game, it's really more about where were you at with it. Yeah. Because I, you know, I've played everything. Sure. I don't need, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need so this unfair. show. I, I don't need this list. I can't describe how unfair that feels. Hey, before we do it, you said you had a bit. Did you do your bit? Have no, you I didn't do, the, do, do my bit. Do you want to do it? Is there it's, a way to transition into the bit? No, nah, it's, it's, it's. I want to do it. It no 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 it did it just didn't come up we did not have the type of conversation that I thought we were gonna have you let me talk too much you tricked <laughs> you, me I, you tricked me I into you talk. I wanted it to uh, be just a survey of your awful experience and uh-huh. we did get your awful experience in there but uh-huh. um, but yeah uh, you let me talk too much you basically tricked me but <laughs> I tried. you tricked me into thinking that this that this show is about me and it is not about me Matt. <laughs> There is a protagonist of the show, and and it's, it's the not. part, it's the guest, it's the frequent guest is the, the frequent protagonist. Guest, yes, the you're host the, you're the, is not. You are the, the main character. Okay. You're the main character. You're like the so narrator. Matt, where do you put Final Fantasy VII? I'm on not going to do it. Where to Hunter? We, we are at an impasse. We are playing a game of chicken. Uh, where would I, Matt? Where are you putting? Where Final would Fantasy you put Final Fantasy Hunter? Where would you, you put Final Fantasy VII on this list? Where I, would you, I refuse to go first. I literally refuse to go first here. 
Yeah, but here's, where here's, where's like an area you would? You here's would the quintessential it. thing about my experience is I know I sullied myself with the experience, mm-hmm. and I literally rely on people who experienced this game in the time of its release. I rely yeah. on that. Even in how I've learned about the game myself, like watching other people talk about these games, I rely on them telling me what it was like to play it in 1997. Right. So where would you put it? So where would you put this list, though? That's kind of, on the list, though. Where do you think it would go? Oh man, number Somewhere one on the list. What do uh, we do from there? Uh, no, it can't. It can't be number Why one uh, because that's not where it should go. Okay, where should it go? Uh, at the bottom. I think it should be number seventeen. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> We're never gonna get through. I this. think it should be the worst game of all time. Okay. Um, you think it should be the best game of all time? I think it should be the worst game yeah. of all time. Where Where does it actually belong? What What game? Ignoring the game's placement on the list, what game can we compare this to that is on the list? Let's describe the list real quickly. Hey, it's season two. Number one, the best game of all time is Celeste. Number two, Super Mario Brothers 3. Mm -hmm. Then Halo Combat Evolved, Quake, Papers, Please, Hyper Light Drifter, Crusader Kings 3, Halo 3, Mass Effect 3, Mass Effect 2, Outrun, Metroid Dread, Donkey Kong Country 3, Mass Effect 1, Halo 2, War of the Monsters. Okay. So it's probably better than War of the Monsters. It's probably better than War of the Monsters. Halo yeah. 2, I don't know. It's kind of you like can't do it's, that. it's kind of like Halo 2 in no, a lot it's of ways. Not. How is it not like Halo 2? It's it, much more competent writing, even in the rushed translation, even in the structure of the thing, even in the promise of the thing. I would genuinely much more quickly compare it to Halo Combat Evolved than anything else on this list. Oh geez. No, I don't think it should be that high. Why? Um, because it is it is a flawed promise of a game. Mm-hmm. It is not the... And also, I just want it to be low. I think that it should be low you because it's, it's something... It's very personal to me. Yeah. And But it's per, it's so personal to so many people. That's true. And But I think, I think Matt, that you need to hurt them. <laughs> and I want... I'm trying to guide your knife into the heart of every JRPG lover... <laughs> In a, a sick, here's, twisted here's what Game of Thrones like. Yeah. Here's pain. what I feel like you want, Hunter. I can, yes. I can sense. I can sense the writing on the wall, which is one of our goals of this show is to mm-hmm. is to get guests on it, like roughly once per month. Yes, and we would love for those guests to eventually be like fun, uh, you know, titans of the industry of of critique and game design. We'd love to get people in here. Yeah, and I think what Hunter wants is someday we can get tim rogers on this oh, show sure. and he can look at the list and be like what the fuck did you do to final <laughs> fantasy 7 what is okay so here's the thing i first of all here's a couple points final fantasy 7 doesn't need us doesn't yeah. need this list uh, doesn't need that. doesn't need our approval yeah uh it lives forever in the minds of the people that played it right final fantasy 7 doesn't exist in 2022 this is not a game that exist. It yeah. was an idea, right. basically. It right. mostly lived in our imaginations. So I think no matter where we put it on the list, it doesn't matter. So the more we talk about it, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like many of the exact same critiques that we lobbed at Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 1. Mass Effect 1 set up some promises right. that were later iterated upon and maybe followed through with and maybe failed it a couple times. Yeah. But... Mass Effect One is kind of just the promises. Okay, I think I think that is a good comparison. Do you think it should go under or above Mass Effect One? Above, 
at the very least, it's going to go. I above think it Mass should Effect go 1. under because we have kind of a bro thing. <laughs> it's kind of a bro show. No, I don't. I don't want. I, I genuinely, put, I genuinely enjoyed my experience playing Mass uh, Final Fantasy VII more than Mass Effect One. I think Mass Effect One, though, the costumes aren't as wild as Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. which means we should put it under because we need to make sure that people understand. Like, this is a show where we like playing a space cop, uh-huh. but if you got too many belts and buckles and it your freaks boots us too, out, man. I don't like those big ass boots, <laughs> Nomura. Get out of here with them big ass <laughs> boots. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fine above or below Mass Effect One. Yeah, that works for me. Just to make sure we talk about it, and there's no reason for it to go above Donkey Kong Country Three, is what you're saying. I mean, I don't know what the argument in, is in our list. No, in our list, no way. I don't know what this list means anymore. I think that, I mean, Donkey Kong Country is a series that we both like. Uh huh. And Final Fantasy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I just think we that are going to put if we put this just under Donkey Kong Country 3 mm-hmm. it, two years from now, we're going to look at this and disagree with it ourselves. Like we are going to have to fix this. No, we that is not guaranteed. So here's the thing. The list is me and you. Yeah, it's not me or you. Yeah. It's me and you. Yeah. And you do not connect with this game. No. And there's only so far a game can go being just a game that's important to one of But us. I want to drive home the point that towards the end, I, I discovered too late, but it started to connect with me. Like, I found it right. too late. But here's the and thing. And if I were to replay it, I probably would like it. Here's why it's good we started with Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Because Final Fantasy VII doesn't need us, yeah. doesn't need this show, right. doesn't need you, listener. Right. It It is but later, metaphysical. In, in a year and a half when we do Final Fantasy IX... I could I can be really excited about that for some reason and we put it way higher and it not make any sense is what you're I feel like purporting. But my thing I'm on right now is that Final Fantasy 7 does not exist. Yeah. It, existed it existed for a small period of time anymore. and it does not exist yeah. anymore. You yeah. cannot play Final Fantasy 7. Right. You if you load it up you are not playing Final Fantasy 7. Right. right. Basically. I think that is the that is from this discussion that is my biggest takeaway is like this is a game that lived in your head. And that's why yeah. that's why everyone wanted the remake. That's right. why a remake it's like no one's clamoring for a remake of Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy no. IX. Like maybe remasters, sure, but nobody's like, I want you to completely remake this I would game like, from the ground I, up. Uh, I'd love it if Final Fantasy VII was good. Yeah. <laughs> is, what exactly. they, is what everybody actually is saying. I mean, I mean, in a crude way, that is kind of exactly right. it. Um, so yeah, in that way, I would say it is fine for us to put Final Fantasy VII low on the list. And someday, oh if God. you find a JRPG that you do like, then we will not hesitate to put it up. But I, I think you're trying to get me murdered. I'm not trying to get you I murdered think, at all. I think we put it this low, and then you tell everybody, yeah, Matt wanted it super low, and then the the JRPG nope. freaks come out, and they find my address. No. And they start, like, poisoning my blue apron boxes. No, I, this, is, this, is, this is what the show is, man. Yeah. It's not, it's, you can't cut it if you don't get both of us on board. I'm just saying I might have to change my identity after this episode. That's all. I'm just saying... Next week, starring Hunter Donaldson and Fat Fartons. <laughs> Number 14, Final Fantasy Seven is the placement. I hate this you list. You hate the list. I, I mean, it. of course you hate the list, Chris. Season two's arc is my open rebellion against this list. I mean, yeah. But that's that. you have to get both of us. You can't just get one of us. I won't stand for it. I have principles. But you say that, and then both times you've given me the edge on where I wanted to put it. Well, but I love you, you know, and I need to make sure that you, you And know. now I have Molly. I don't need you. <laughs> you don't need me. Yeah, so I'm just doing things to try and get your approval, Matt. I just, I just want you to like me, okay? And I just want, this has gotten weird, this show. Uh, and it's going to get weirder. So be excited about season two yeah. where it definitely gets weirder. Um, oh, man. 
What next week we're doing Solar Ash. We're doing Solar Ash, the follow-up to my second favorite game of all time, <laughs> Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> Welcome to Hyperlight Drifter Gamers All Night. <laughs> Heart Machine Lovers Anonymous. <laughs> Oh, man. How do we end this? We got to get out of yeah. this episode. Hey, thanks for joining us. You can email us hey, your Hey, I want to say, listener, it could have been weirder. Yeah. It, 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 this, going could've, into this episode, I was like, this is going to be weird. The, the original idea for Hunter and I's video game podcast oh my God, was I'm so glad we for the two it. of us to take our darlings and pit them against each other. And the first episode was going to be Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion versus Final Fantasy VII, yeah. where we each played the other's... Uh, idyllic game and the reason we didn't do that show is because i couldn't finish final fantasy 7 at that time it well and also so i couldn't get and oblivion you couldn't to run play long. oblivion for longer than I, a couple I, hours well i mean i got 25 hours into yeah, oblivion I, I did pretty constantly. good but it was constantly breaking yeah. um yeah that's the whole reason we haven't done any bethesda stuff yet is that i just can't get the stuff to run and yeah. i you know we've talked about this before but it's just like i i don't know i don't know how bethesda <laughs> expects people to play these games <laughs> i just don't know how they like it's like it's like the expectation is like you're going to get a second job yeah. learning how to mod these games in order to get them to work. It's so much work. It's I, insane. I don't get it because I've, I've put no work it's, in it's almost and I like, just play them. Well, and yeah. I play, and I've right. put in right. hundreds of hours on Skyrim and Oblivion. But how recently have you? You know uh, I, played, like, I played Skyrim last well, year. Sky, well, yeah, Skyrim runs just fine. Yeah. Skyrim runs on anything. Or yeah. not on anything, but it, it, yeah. It's on everything. <laughs> it's on everything. It's on, it's on your refrigerator. Yeah. But yeah, the older Bethesda stuff, it's like it's just so hard. Uh, to get it to get it running in this day and age, I think for it's me. I think it's specifically Oblivion. Morrowind runs great no matter what. Oh yeah, because it's so simple. It's so huh? simple, Morrowind. Yeah. You can put any mo- you can slap any mods on that puppy and it'll still go. Yeah, uh, but Oblivion's got some weird stuff. Don't try to play Oblivion with a controller on your PC. Boy, that's a nightmare. Yeah, not worth it. What are we doing? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Morrowind, I think, should be the first. Oh, it will. Yeah, Because I've actually never uh, gotten through a, a large chunk of Morrowind. So we'll actually be both playing that for the first time. Yeah, we'll, that sounds we'll, good. We'll properly be meeting a game on the same terms. Yeah. I wonder what I wonder what the JRPG will be that finally breaks you. I think it will happen. Breaks me how? Breaks you as far as like, you're like, whoa, I got into the numbers. Yeah. I'm I'm becoming Probably, a numbers I pervert. Mean, I think Final Fantasy IX will do it. I'm Final taking Fa- Final my Fantasy IX. Nine- time does not it's not a complex system really. no yeah. final fantasy 9 is old school in its uh ideas yeah so it will not make you a numbers pervert it might be like you might finish it and be like that was pleasant yeah but what i'm saying is that game that where you're like where you text me some weird stuff right you know what i mean like where you're oh, like i'm excited for the i'm not going to reveal the project of final fantasy 9 but i'm excited for how i will be playing final fantasy oh, 9 yeah and, right and and how hunter will gain the knowledge of my experience of playing Final Fantasy IX because it's going to be real weird. Yeah. Hey, uh, you can email us at oldgamersalmanac <laughs> at gmail.com and suggest some JRPGs for me to, to give a go. Based don't on, don't based suggest Xenogears. Yeah, uh, hey, no Xenogears. Hey, come on. Don't suggest, uh, I don't think we're ready for Persona or Shin Megami Tensei. Everyone suggests Persona too and they're like, ha you didn't like playing a game for a long time? How about the one that's 100 hours? Ha 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 do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't no. think we're ready for Persona here. I'd like to do a Yakuza. Yeah, Yakuza games are not quite JRPGs. I mean, the most yeah. recent one has JRPG mechanics, yeah. but they're actually, you actually just beat people up. Right. You just, it's a beat people up with a, a story. But the story is very JRPG. I want to get, so. I want to, the, the last thing to say here is, uh, the, the other project of the show is to pr- is to properly rebuild our retro gaming abilities and libraries. Yeah. And like, I want to play like, I want to play Bravely Default and stuff. Like I want to get, oh. my, I want to get my handheld library. What's well, that? Oh, not you, retro. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. Like, there's. I got to go through and recollect things that I used to own and sold off. And Matt, and now what need... is the? 
here's an ending. Okay, let's Wh- go. So we've talked a lot about how you don't play JRPGs, mm-hmm. and this show is an opportunity for me to try and expose yes. them to you. Right. What is what is it you want me exposed to from this show? Um, what do you want me to open my mind to? I mean, I don't know what your I don't know what your mind is closed to. Um, and there's certainly there's there's, there's, there's certainly stump, nothing there's that stump. I'm opened to that you're close to. I mean, there's there's nothing there beyond like uh, literally just like stupid puzzle games. And by puzzle games, I do mean like in the purest sense of just puzzle games. And you've played plenty of them, but like mm. I'm, I get really like I'll get hooked on just puzzle games. Like like you mean like I like iOS puzzle games, sure. like little yeah. Like, but there's there's PC ones that are great too, like Cogs. 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 Cogs is great, man. Okay. Stuff like that. Okay. Just dumb. Like like just seriously. Let's play Mean Bean Machine. Let's do let's do all of those. Doctor Robotnik's Mean yeah, Bean man. Machine. Yeah. All That's... those all those old just puzzly things. Yeah. That's what I want to play. Bust a move. There's a reason why The Witness is what I put as like my number is what I traditionally say is my favorite game of all time. Yeah. I don't know that I like stand by that, but it's just it's it's the same reason I say Lion King is well, my you favorite like, movie of all time. You like Jonathan Blow's bald. Oh, head. I just really love everything that could yeah. And his that, ideas. I'm a big fan of his brain, huh? You like his, his ideas. Big scary brain. The best thing to witness about Jonathan <laughs> Blow is his ideas. <laughs> He'll blow your mind. I hated that. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> Thank y'all for listening to Old Gamers Almanac. Produced by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins. Music by Night Corey.